0: Welcome to Above the Parapet, a new podcast from Profile, where we interview entrepreneurs and business leaders who aren't afraid to challenge conventional wisdom and swim against the tide. Today, we'll be speaking to founder and CEO of GreenGage, Sean Kiernan. With a proven track record in financial services, banking and management, he founded GreenGage in 2018 to bring a new form of relationship banking services to digital companies. Working at the cutting edge of finance, he is at the forefront of of the digital banking revolution. Welcome, Sean. Delighted to be here, Jordan. So before we get into talking about GreenGage, can you just give me an introduction to yourself, your, your own career? How did you start out? What type of companies did you work at? And just give me a kind of bit of a sense of your career, Sean. With pleasure. I'm a first-time founder, and that is unusual, I
1: think, at my age. I, I just turned 40 over the holidays. And having been in finance for almost 20 years, and setting up your own business, there's a few challenges in that, not least of all the, the steady salary that you get used to, but also the, the aspect of having a full team. And I've grown up and kept my teeth in the US, moved to Switzerland, and then came here in 2010 to, to London. And throughout that journey I've worked at Swiss banks and uh, now UK institutions, and seen quite a wide variety of how things tick in different countries. But I, I do feel at home very much in London now. It's kind of a great place to be, and it's why I wanted to set up GreenGage here in an international financial
0: centre. And I've looked at your CV in your career, and, and it was very kind of heavily weighted towards traditional banking. Is that right, Sean?
1: What, what I saw in traditional banking was largely great things. There's still a tradition of thinking about the client and what they want. But I think there are things that we slightly have lost by the wayside. There was a tradition, particularly in the UK, of merchant banking, of getting to know a client and sitting on the same side of the table as there and using the balance sheet of the institution to support that client's business. These things are tricky nowadays. And what I love and what we're trying to do at Green Gage is open up these walls, if you will, to allow a client to access not just the firm's balance sheet but the wider balance sheets that are out there. So this
0: we call Web3 banking in the kind of modern parlance. And, and for someone sitting down now, just kind of break it down. What does Green Gauge do? What is what is Green Gauge? How would you get the kind of elevate pitch? We do three things and collectively we're aiming to do what we call digital merchant
1: banking. The first is e money business accounts. That allows us to do payments and cards for business, transactional banking essentially. That coupled with the tech stack that we built ourselves, primarily on Salesforce, the big, the big machine that a lot of us use, um, which is also a workflow tool. And the third thing, which is what I was referencing, which is a platform business. So we can help clients source funding for their business across a wide variety of debt instruments. And, and here we hear fintechs coming out every day with something new. And we call this a credit library, if you will, of innovative ideas that for a particular business may or may not work. And it's our job to distill those and help a to navigate the tricky waters of what might be relevant for them. But in addition, our edge is that we get crypto, we get digital, we get all these new technologies around the blockchain space. And so we can bridge the traditional world of finance in sourcing funding and providing transactional banking services with what is this wild and crazy world. Um, and we see a lot in the press around crypto and DeFi and NFTs. These are also sources of money. They come in different packages, obviously, but ultimately, as long as an entrepreneur gets the funding that they need for their business, and it's clean and safe,
0: that's that's our job to help them. And this is what has always struck me about the kind of the digital banking and crypto space: how there's lots of opportunities out there for SMEs and businesses, maybe to bridge finance, raise capital, but it's just so difficult to navigate. How do you make that more accessible for companies? A big part of that, as we've seen with
1: FTX, is counterparty risk. If you're putting your chips on a table and you don't know if that table has good legs, <laughs> you could lose your chips. What we're trying to do is say, okay, we will work with what we hope are best-in-class counterparties, but we'll take some of the pain away so that if a firm needs something, we have a relationship. We're, as you say, relationship bankers, and that's the focus of what we are. We want to get to know someone. And in the future, what I think are the only things a bank will really do or have relationships and have data and organizing that data in a way that's intelligible for a client and getting to understand what is uniquely useful for them means understanding the risks that they have means understanding what makes them drive the business often businesses and i'm sure you know this being an entrepreneur yourself are different and each one ticks differently each one has individual people it's one of the things that excites me about banking in the way that we're doing it. It's not cookie cutter, so we're not attempting just to do tick-box things. We're, we're working with the metaverse, and we're working with places that
0: haven't really been invented yet and finished, and that gets me out of bed and gets me excited. And this is what impresses me about you, Sean. Look at your CV. You were at Zurich and Credit Suisse, and there's this kind of perception that they're very staid and stable and, and comfortable. And you decided to make the choice to start something new and different. Was there a single moment where you said, "Actually, I'm going to try and do something different here," or was it a gradual process? I think
1: most entrepreneurs do it because they're slightly frustrated with where they are. And I don't want to knock anyone. I think these are great institutions, Zurich Credit Suisse, etc. But the thing that I felt is they're so big, and these are super tankers, but when we look at the new technologies as they're unfolding, it's really difficult to do the most innovative things in a supertanker, you need a speedboat. And what I wanted to do at Green Gage is set up something that, we're now 30 odd people, we're still nimble enough to keep our ear to the ground, move quickly, but do things in a proper way. And I think ethically, one thing that was very important, also philosophically, is working in a space that is, is doing things by the book and doing them well. And in our industry particularly, that speedboat, if it's on choppy water, <laughs> needs to make sure that it has all the instruments in place to protect it, so good advisors and, and good
0: people. And when you're setting up something new, especially in a kind of emerging, innovative industry, where you're not only setting up a, a new company, you're doing things in a kind of dramatically new way, is there resistance or difficulty selling that... Uh, Clients, policy makers, investors, because you're having to speak in a quite a new way and tell them ideas that maybe they might not have heard before.
1: Completely. We've done things like write a glossary or write reports for parliamentarians looking at this topic have tried to set up industry bodies or at least contribute to industry bodies. Because for us, it is a new lingua, <laughs> but it's also a way of approaching problems, particularly in finance. Regulation has shaped so much of the way we understand modern banking. And ultimately, if you, if you distill it down to its key components, banking is liquidity and the pricing of risk. And the way we're expressing that is very much according to the way regulation has shaped, the way a balance sheet structured, the way we think of risk-weighted assets. And what I'm trying to do is just take a step back and say, OK, what does a client actually want? What are the safe ways to deliver that? The challenging thing is, in a new space like this, there are charlatans and fraudsters and you have to be constantly vigilant because even if someone presents as a credible actor and we've seen that in this past year a lot of firms, uh, particularly in the crypto industry more broadly um, had institutional money big investors, regulation regulation isn't the be all and end all in terms of protecting people from risk it's still down to intellect and counterparty understanding, experience and even then the macro conditions can turn against you. What we're trying to do is just bring that all together, form a coherent communication strategy. And
0: I think when we talk about doing things differently, and we talk about crypto, it's obvious to go into a discussion of how crypto is challenging traditional finance. But actually, I think in many ways, GreenGage is also challenging how crypto is conventionally done. If you look at most crypto companies or startups or a lot of them, it's not very relationship-led. It's kind of digital platforms where you don't even know who you're really interacting with. So in many senses, you're kind of challenging how crypto looks and how it's done as well. So how has it been kind of working with other people in the crypto industry?
1: I think one thing that has been most interesting to me is that crypto is perceived as this kind of monolith. You say crypto and you think Bitcoin or you think the speculative trading side. I'm most keen on the infrastructure play, the plumbing, around how do we make payments more efficient so that people don't pay a tax every time that they transact to some third party that is providing quote-unquote safety, whereas technology can remove a lot of the stress and cost that every customer bears. We see China, who have set up later in a payments game, having a much more efficient payments infrastructure just because they've done it slightly later in the day when technology was around with phones, etc., And I think I'm also very keen on the market infrastructure side, where for a small business, for example, to bring a product to market for a security or a fixed income, uh, the costs to bring these are exorbitant in the current uh, way things are constituted. For a small business to raise, the costs are just too high, hundreds of thousands. If you're trying to raise a couple million, it doesn't make sense. Whereas if we can use these new technologies, and this is primarily the blockchain, DLT, and I would say maybe less the crypto end or how it's understood. You can bring these costs down to something that is much more user-friendly and you can open up an asset class that we can tap the capital markets for, getting money to small businesses exactly where they need it, where the banks really aren't doing it as much. And I think these broader infrastructure plays are exactly what we're seeing now unfolding. It's going to take time. And I think the speculative stuff has been great, perhaps, for raising public awareness of what this is, but it's also been super dangerous on the policy side. It's been very difficult for MPs or anybody working in in government to to get behind something when they see people that are losing money and not doing things in a responsible way. And we're having to slightly de-stress those discussions and say, okay, yes, there is that. That's not us. That's
0: not the people that we associate with on our end of the business. I think you've hit on something really interesting there. It triggered a thought in me. When we think about innovation and doing new things... I think you can kind of look at it two ways. You can start from the new technology and then say, how can we use this new technology? Or you can start with the client and say, what problem are they facing and how can we apply technology to that? And it sounds like you're in that kind of latter camp. You were starting with, what's the problem the client is facing? Is that right? I mean, I think that's what we're doing. I think people often joked about blockchain,
1: that it's a solution looking for a problem. I think there's tons of problems in financial services, and I don't think blockchain is the only way to solve them. I think it's a tool in the toolkit. At times it makes sense, at times it doesn't, and it requires a bit of discernment and pragmatism to understand where and why. But I do think it definitely has a place, particularly as we unfold this intersection, the era of convergence that people are kind of talking about between decentralized finance and big banking How do we give clients ownership of their data in an appropriate way? What open banking is doing, for me, is fascinating, to unlock value for consumers and give them choice. And I think right now that's restricted to payments, but what we're trying to say is it doesn't have to just be payments. It could be a much broader source of
0: transactional banking plus access to money. So you've had a very successful last couple of... Years. What are the plans? What are the objectives over the next 12 months or so? Yeah, it's been a journey.
1: (laughs) I think all entrepreneurs have. You have to kind
0: of pivot slightly. Um,
1: Our big launch is the banking services, and that has been years in the making. We've invested millions, and we're we're very excited about that. And what we're trying to do there is proper relationship-based, transactional, commercial banking-style services on an e-money basis. Um, And not many people do this today. If you want to have someone you can call and talk to, Mm -hmm. and why we were so keen to have that is... We want to get to know people. If we can understand your business, we can then offer better services. Mm -hmm. And through that listening process, uh, we've been already running the platform business for some time and have done considerable volume of business. But I think what is going to grow, really, and something that I'm keen on, is if we know exactly what clients want, we can then dig around a bit and find better things for them and and kind of scale
0: that. So the scaling and setting the stage is is this year. And that's kind of launching imminently, Sean. And who's the kind of the average client? What does the average client look like? What, what are their needs?
1: Perhaps unsurprisingly, crypto companies struggle to get access to fiat payment services. So if you're building something on the blockchain space and you rock up at a high street bank, you would typically get told no. And it's similar in other kind of sectors to non-banking financial institutions, e-money firms like us, for example. The fees are generally quite high you don't necessarily know who the counterparty is as well. Um, and so our differentiator, we think, is we will get to know these firms and help them to get a s- stable pair of hands for their day-to-day banking services, but also then learn about them and their product set and bring that into our platform business. My dream is to get GreenGage to be a proper and full-market SME bank at small and medium-sized enterprises, because I think these are the firms that are struggling the most with current solutions. And... Crypto companies, digital companies will be our first cohort of clients, and we will always want them because they're at the cutting edge of technology innovation. But I think to bring these solutions to SMEs will help to resolve a lot of their problems. We'll also look at high net worth individuals, and a lot of private banks do not like transactional banking accounts. For us, that's a sweet spot. Each of these client segments could be served by what we're offering. And again, we're not going to be tick box. So if there's something a bit unusual, we'll look at it as long
0: as we can add value and make sure it's done right. It sounds like a fascinating year ahead. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Sean. It's been interesting to hear about your journey and it sounds like you've got a lot of exciting things in the pipeline. And thank you all for listening. You can keep up to date with the latest episodes by following the podcast. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. You've been listening to Above the Parapet, a podcast from Profile. To listen to more interviews with entrepreneurs, go to your favourite podcast platform and search Above the Parapet. And if you want to find out more about our services, go to wwwwelcome Thank you for listening.